0: Because aging starts now.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Aging Starts Now. I'm partner and attorney Chris Johnson, and today we are talking about the extension of the timeline for RECA claims and what that means for veterans and their families. Joining me for the discussion is public benefits specialist Josh Hunter, our very own. Josh works on many of the VA claims here at the firm. Josh, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. So tell us, let's just give um, the audience a little refresher on, on what RECA is and why it's important.
2: Right. So RECA is the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act. And to make a long story short, it basically allows individuals who were exposed to American radiation testing through, through various means, either by transporting the ore or being present during some of those explosions, you know, when we're working on nuclear bombs, to receive a flat rate of compensation. So that applies to people who were on site or people who were downwind uh, through a certain, you know, set of areas like Nevada or Utah, or Arizona, uh, to get compensation for some of these illnesses that come out of that exposure, like lung cancers, uh, renal cancer, things like that.
1: Good. Well, and I think people are surprised. A, I, I still see people being shocked that we had people kind of there in person when we were detonating nuclear weapons and I think we obviously uh, we didn't quite fully understand the ramifications of that when we did it and now that we do the government's trying to make it right the, uh, but it's more than, as you said, those on-site participants. Uh, it's people who live downrange or downwind from those test ranges where the, uh, the fallout could be taken with the winds. And then you have the uranium millers and miners, the people who, who uh, basically dug up the fuel to make these things happen. So there, there are a lot more people than I think most people think of uh, involved in this, aren't there?
2: Oh, yes. It, it seems to cover a much bigger area than you might expect. And you're right. I think people are still shocked to hear it. It kind of sounds like stuff you'd see in the movies, but uh, it does happen to people in real life. You're exactly, That's like right.
1: That. It really does. Now, is it just the individual who was there, or the downwinder? Uh, can family members qualify? Who qualifies for this stuff? Well, it's
2: typically the individual who's exposed that we're trying to get related to it. But if there was some sort of provable birth defect or something that's related to it, you might be able to pursue that, right?
1: Yep. And if you're a surviving spouse, uh, you can file a claim as well, correct? Exactly. Yes, sir. Yep. And so if you're a surviving spouse, if you're a, a, a child and you lost your parent, uh, the RECA program is a little different. Most times when we're talking about VA programs, we're talking about obviously the Department of Veterans Affairs and everyone just logically thinks about that. But in this case, the RECA program is a Department of Justice program uh, and that throws some people off. The uh, They administer that wholly separately. Now there's some interplay between the two uh, but it is a separate program from the Department of Veterans Affairs. So, Josh, the original deadline we were watching closely, and, and July 9th of this year, uh, the act was set to expire. What happened?
2: Well, on June 7th of 2020, the president signed into law an extension. So now we get a potential another two years, right, since the date of its enactment. So that's going to make a really big deal and reach hopefully a lot more people, even though RECA has already reached probably more than you might expect.
1: That's right, and so from June seventh of this year, a two-year extension puts it to June seventh of twenty twenty-four, uh, <clears throat> and I think we were pleasantly surprised. I think people weren't sure if this extension was going to happen, and we were all kind of watching it. Uh, and it was done, frankly, rather quietly. I just, you know, checking the news, and there it was—not uh, a, you know, big announcement or anything like that. Um, but certainly for these people that qualify, that might not know about it, and the real the tough part about these claims is a lot of people who are eligible, uh, many of these people involved in our, our nuclear program back then because it was so important and it was so highly classified, uh, they were actually sworn to oaths of secrecy with the government. And many of them aren't aware that that oath, that oath of secrecy has been lifted uh, by subsequent administration. So uh, sometimes you got to really talk to those family members and give some assurances, don't you, Josh?
2: You do. You really need to dig in. And honestly, I think the easiest way to do that is just knowing that if your family members served, you know, during that range of time, right? So somewhere between 51 and 58, uh, all the way up to maybe 62, you know, I would start digging in to see if they were exposed or what they got into. Let your family members know. Because at this point, they've already broke like two and a half billion dollars in compensation.
1: Wow. That's incredible. Well, so, Josh, if someone thinks uh, they might be a potential claimant, how do they apply? What what steps do they take?
2: Well, of course, you want to reach out to somebody who's VA accredited and really knows what you're talking about here. But there are several different claims forms uh, that vary dependent on how your exposure happens. So if you were a uranium miner or a miller, a transporter, one of those on-site participants or a downwinder, they have specific claims forms. Uh, beyond that point, it's good to understand that this is a very evidence-based application that you're jumping into. So, what you have to back up your claim is going to make a huge difference. But for those individuals who have applied, it's just good to know that almost 75%, 74.6% have been approved. So, for individuals who can prove this, you know, it's pretty good success rate. And it makes a big difference on some pretty scary illnesses. And I'm just imagining the medical expenses that would be tied into that.
1: That's right. And Josh, you brought up a great point, and most people wouldn't think of this. You talked about reaching out to a VA accredited attorney because even though this is a DOJ program, it can affect VA benefits. And typically, if you qualify for this program, there is a, a pretty high probability that you're going to qualify for, um, at a minimum, possibly service connected compensation, or if you're a surviving spouse, the survivor's pension. And there is an offset between the two, so you you cannot really draw on them concurrently. What will happen is the RECA is more of a lump sum payment, and the VA is obviously generally more of an annuity-style payment. And so oftentimes, if you receive the lump sum from the DOJ, that may pause or delay your access to the VA benefits. And just understanding the interplay between those two and knowing how it works— Uh, is critically important. And if they're not a VA accredited attorney, they're not going to be able to do that, are they?
2: Exactly right. You're right. You need somebody who understands the big picture here because there's more than one thing at play. Just exactly the way you said it's true.
1: That's right. So how quickly, when someone applies, how quickly can they receive RECA benefits?
2: Well, it can actually turn around pretty quick if everything lines up, but I'm always scared to give a definitive answer on what's going to happen because I imagine it's going to vary quite a bit between how much evidence you have and how much digging you need the VA to do. No,
1: um, well, I think that's the best. I think that's very well said. You never want to promise results on these things because there's always some level of subjectivity. But you said it earlier, Josh the evidence, the evidence, the evidence. And when you have the documentation, uh, the most recent one of these that we filed, um, we had just perfect. We had the service records. It said the nuclear testing sites. I mean, it was just all in there. Uh, I will say very high compliments to the Department of Justice's RECA, RECA office. Um, always available. Someone picks up the phone. You have a direct number. That's not, it doesn't always feel that way. When you're dealing with your interactions with some government agencies, I will say the, the DOJ's RECA section was absolutely amazing. Took the time, answered any questions, uh, very quick turnarounds on the results, um, and just very engaging and, and there to help. And that certainly felt good and, and made it uh, a lot easier system. Sometimes I think people feel like they get lost in the bureaucracy. Uh, But the RECA office, I felt like, really set a high standard.
2: It was really refreshing, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, there's something else uh, in... We experienced it with one of our clients. Uh, Amazingly enough, so the RECA benefit is $75,000 lump sum, which obviously can make a huge difference in people's lives. Uh, And I know for our client, it it made a huge impact. But I'll tell you, and I, I tell everybody, what mattered more to them than the lump sum was you're able to actually get a certificate, the Atomic Veterans Service Certificate. You can apply for this basically saying that the veteran was or the family's loved one was a participant in these and it commemorates it. And that's a big deal to those families, isn't it? Oh, for sure. That special recognition, I think, makes a big difference,
2: particularly if you imagine somebody who was sworn to secrecy and then had to battle some of these conditions, just recognition for that service. And again, the service beyond of keeping the secret and managing to live through uh, whatever medical conditions came out, I'm sure that makes a huge difference to them.
1: I think it does. I think it absolutely does. And it, it's recognition of, of that family member's sacrifice. And that's a big, big deal. Um, and I, I think a lot of people uh, that's as important, if not more important than any financial compensation is just having the recognition for the sacrifice they made. So um, that certainly is uh, a, another important factor that some people might not share with you. It might be like, listen, we'll get you the compensation. It's like, well, that might not be the only thing that matters. And, and we want to make sure that we get everything that matters for the individual. Uh, so, Josh, what else, what else do we need? What else have we shared regarding RECA?
2: Well, we've covered most things. I think it would be good to just come back from that 10,000-foot view again. Let's talk about who it affects just so that really sets in for you. So we're talking about both the individuals who are uranium miners those individuals who transported that material the millers the individuals who were actually at on-site testing and those people who were in U- utah nevada and arizona certain areas during that actual time frame those individuals we now call the downwinders and if you're looking at things that are lung related or cancer related that should be a good sign for you to dig in a little deeper
1: yep and here just I'll run down the compensable diseases Uh, This is for the on-site participants in the downwinders. Um, You have leukemia, multiple myeloma, lymphomas, uh, and then you have primary cancers of the thyroid, the pharynx, the gallbladder, the colon, the ovary. Uh, breast cancer, small intestine, salivary gland, esophagus, stomach, bile ducts, pancreas, bladder, uh, brain, uh, lung, and liver. And so you can kind of get a sense for what organs uh, are included in there. And like Josh said, if you, if you see cancer and you know they were a participant, that is a pretty big uh, indication that this person will probably uh, be a compensable individual. So, well, Josh, thank you for sharing your time and expertise on this. Uh, it's a good information to get out there, and having that window extended, uh, it does the right thing by our, our veterans and the people involved in this program, wasn't it?
2: Exactly, and thanks for having me again.
1: Glad to get the info out. That's perfect. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Take Us McGinnis is a life care planning law firm helping families respond to the legal and financial challenges caused by chronic illness or disability of an elderly loved one. Join us next week for another episode of Aging Starts
0: Now.